up everybody welcome to november colter nuanas skyline sports mt.com appreciate you for tuning in thanks so much for all the engagements and the listenership and all that sort of stuff thanks for keeping us company all fall along we're back at it with our prime time lineup the starting lineup got the uh, skyline boys all three of their best analysts lined up in a row for you we'll get things kicked off with andrew houghton going around the big sky conference and talking about some broad narratives and scenarios then we'll roll into Brooks Nuanas. He and I will talk all about the Grizz win, but more importantly, what do we think of this young quarterback? Kialili Ayat made his debut on Saturday in Montana's 40 to nothing win over Northern Colorado. Don't know how much you can read into the actual result because Northern Colorado is just flat bad, but a freshman quarterback getting snaps for a Bobby Houck team is certainly intriguing, and uh, the Grizz defensive performance, albeit against a uh, struggling team, certainly raised some eyebrows. Only 94 yards of total offense allowed just one third down conversion and uh, a shutout. So, I mean, no matter who you're playing, all those very impressive for the Grizz. Plus, we talk a little bit about the Cats and how they need to bounce back from their loss at Idaho. And then Ty Gregorak joins us to break down in depth that loss at Idaho for Montana State. we got plenty of thoughts on the Vandals as they surge into the month of November with plenty already in the rear view. Idaho's already played Sac State, Montana, and Montana State. They went 2-1 and one in those games, so they are arguably in the driver's seat in November. Montana, of course, still has to host Sac State this Saturday and then host the Cats in two weeks with a trip to Portland State in between. The Cats get their final two home games, Northern Arizona and Eastern Washington, coming to Bozeman the next two weeks before they come to Missoula. Idaho's schedule is Northern Colorado, Weber State, and Idaho State to finish up the slate. And of course, Sac State, they still have this game in Missoula, and they also still have the 70th rendition of the Causeway Classic against their rival, UC Davis, coming up to finish the year as well. So still plenty to be determined, and we'll get right to it. We went a little along with each of these guys. We try to make each one 30 minutes. Well, we went a little over 30 with uh, with both Brooks and Ty. So Andrew Houghton, then Brooks Nuanas, then Ty Gregorak. It's the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Andrew Houghton chiming back in. He's been working on a cool project. So uh, his appearances here have been more repurposed stuff from Nuanas now, which is great. We had a little Grizz basketball lately. Uh, and uh, he's working on this awesome soccer podcast. He has his Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast, which is contemporary soccer, but an oral history coming up all about the origins of the University of Montana soccer program. And uh, fascinating, fascinating. The title, uh, the Title IX uh, parallels, the, the the impact that that had, the necessity that it, wa- that it was for the University of Montana, but also then how it grew so quickly. And uh, I'm excited for this thing. It's called Trailblazers. It's uh, as part of the upcoming 30th year anniversary of the Grizz soccer team, as well as uh, to commemorate the induction of Betsy Dirksen into the Montana Athletics Hall of Fame this last weekend. So uh, I I feel like I knew a fair amount about this, but also didn't know a lot of it. I I had no idea that Betsy Dirksen was such a good soccer player herself. That part was awesome. I I, I learned all sorts of stuff about her. Yeah, I've, the reason I did this is because I think a lot of people do know the story, even if they weren't around back then. What a lot of people don't have is they've never heard these people's voices, right? They've never heard the story from Betsy Dirksen herself, from people who were in the athletic department back then, figuring, you know, what do we have to do to get Title IX compliant? How do we start a soccer team? I mean, go back and think about that, Coulter. Right. You're starting an entirely new program. How do you do that? 
what is it like for the players to be arriving on campus for the first time? Uh, you, you don't really hear any of that in their own voices. So that's kind of what I went and I hope to dig in a little bit more into the history of this team uh, and into the great things that they did and into the influence that that team has had now on what's been one of the most consistently successful athletic programs at the University of Montana for the past 30 years. So this uh, the debut episode drops sometime this week, right? Yes. Uh, that's good. And then we'll have a couple more episodes as well. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Trailblazers will be a bit. Is this going to be within the uh, the Soccer and Snow and Smoke feed? or is this It'll be, be a, a, it'll a, be new, a new feed. feed? I'll, okay. I'll post it on all my social media and stuff too. But yeah, you'll just want to search uh, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Trailblazers, Betsy Dirksen and the 1994 Montana women's soccer team. This will be on Skyline Sports. You'll also be able to find it on our uh, ESPN MT website, 1029ESPN.com. It'll be three parts. So the first one coming out this week just focuses on the founding of the program, more about the administrative side at the University of Montana, hiring Betsy Dirksen, basically every everything leading up to the start of that 1994 season. Okay. I got, uh, I got a loaded question to start with uh, here. It's, it's, it's an easy one though. It's very straightforward. Who right now entering November is the best team in the big sky conference in football, Montana state. Still, you agree. Yeah. You, you were on the same page, even, okay. though, even though they're coming off of a, a loss. I mean, you can give me your reasonings, but yes, I mean, I I think that yes, I mean, they they got exposed a little bit on Saturday. You know, Idaho State or Idaho had a very good game plan going into that game. They executed it to perfection and they did the one thing that nobody other than South Dakota State has been able to do, right? Which is even if you're controlling the clock on offense, nobody else has been able to get Montana State's offense off the field. So that raises some sure. questions for me about the Bobcats, but I think full body of work that we've seen from them. I think the circumstances of Saturday's game with it coming in the stretch of that that huge stretch of big road games. They had to play back-to-back Sac State, at Sac State and at Idaho. is a late game uh, at Sac State. So, yeah, there's some circumstantial stuff there. The thing that I was so struck by, and this is where being on the sidelines gives you such a huge advantage as a reporter and an analyst, was you could talk about the, the flawed play calling early in the the game there's all sorts of factors that went into montana state struggling offensively i know i had the ball for almost 42 minutes that's a huge factor uh the bobcats were completely non-existent on offense for the entire first half part of that was because of quarterback operation and the rpo part of that was play calling part of that was idaho having a great uh performance defensively and forcing three straight three and outs all those things go into all that that's all like the tangible x's and o's stuff that you can change and adjust and work on and get better at and, you know, use as a self-scout and use to grow, that's all fine and dandy. I have professed that I thought the greatest strengths of this Bobcat team were all the intangible elements of them, though. The focus, the drive, the discipline, the single-mindedness, all of these different factors. More than anything, though, not riding the, the roller coaster of volatility within the scope of a college football game. They were totally volatile on Saturday, and I thought it was a very humanizing moment. They seemed like the immortals in a group of mortals, and then they seemed mortal on Saturday. And and you know, part of that's just because you get all flustered when Idaho has. I mean, Idaho had the ball for twelve minutes in the first quarter. I mean, right. Your whole thing is out the window because you're you're scrambling. You're playing from behind the eight ball the whole game. I just thought it was fascinating to watch, like this this normally completely collectively calm, steady, deliberate uh, team. Have, have a little bit of volatility. Maybe it's good for them. Maybe it's the best thing for them. But I, I thought it was interesting. It's funny because we thought that, you know, this season, given Montana State's road schedule, that they'd probably, 
you know, even if they were going to be as good as we thought they were going to be, they'd probably be like a nine and two team that would drop two of those five road games. Right. I just think that it's funny how the narrative changes because I think people replaced the the second loss after South Dakota State in their minds with maybe in Missoula, not maybe in Moscow. Even though before the season we thought maybe either or, or thinking that they were going to run the table because they right. looked so good against right. even against South Dakota State, right? right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think even with all everything that you just outlined, right? They came back and took the lead in the second half, and they were a very makeable field goal away from sending that game into overtime. I don't think right now there is a lot to separate these three teams at the top of the Big Sky Conference, and right. I think that that's the attitude that sort of people need to have here. Yeah, Montana State got exposed a little bit on Saturday, Yeah, but I think you could make an argument for just about any of these three teams at the top. Well, that's what's so interesting about this, though, is I think we would both agree that objectively Montana State is, uh, I, I would say, I'm not going to say significantly that's too strong of a word, but I think that they're they're more talented. I think they're the best team. They're, they're more talented and more complete than either Montana or Idaho. But that's only part of the equation. I think that's right. Idaho's roster is completely uneven. Idaho's roster has the most weaknesses out of the top four teams by a lot. They just also happen to have the best quarterback in the conference, the best playmaker in the conference, and Giovanni McCoy and Hayden Hatton, respectively. Two other receivers that are probably, I don't know what, two of the other five best receivers in the whole conference, and they got the best running back. So that that helps bring you along quite a bit even if you are playing a bunch of young guys on the offensive line a bunch of young guys on defense you're playing you know sort of a mitigating shall I say style where you know where you I mean you make no mistake Idaho part of the reason their defensive statistics look good is because they they have the ball for 35 minutes yes a game. so that but that's because of the, the plan and Javon McCoy and, and all that sort of stuff uh, I think the Cats are a way more complete team than Idaho but Idaho has the biggest difference makers that's where this whole analysis comes down to it is the Cats have the, the, the best and the deepest roster. roster. Idaho has the best star power, and, and they're the most top-heavy, led-by-their-talent team. And the Grizz are the hottest team right now. And the now. Grizz are the hottest team with the best sense of belief, and it's just so funny that finally, for the first time ever in Bobby Houck's life, that they got to play an entire month of the season with an underdog mentality and a chip on their shoulder, and they just beat people down. <laughs> the, I guess I mean, they, they didn't they even beat, beat people they, down. They beat Northern Colorado down. That, that's an exaggeration to say that they beat everybody down. But but finding ways to win is is the art of building momentum that Coach Houck is so good at, and I think that's why the Grizz are very very scary coming into November. I think that's absolutely right, and I think that's why everybody's got a different opinion on which way to line up these three teams right now. I think we're we're in agreement that Montana State's still the best and most talented team. If you look at it from a resume a resume standpoint, Idaho is the best resume. Well, and that's the other part about why Idaho. I mean, Hayden Hatton said point blank, this win puts us back in the driver's seat in the Big Sky Conference. Some coaches would scoff at their best player saying that. Montana, for example. <laughs> Even though Montana is in the exact same situation this yeah, week. It, it's true. Montana, though, has the toughest road of these three because they got to play Sac State and Montana State. Both those are at home, so that's an advantage, Grizz, but they still have to play those two. Yep. Idaho's already played all three. That's where Idaho is, is now in the driver's seat because they just have to. Idaho's in don't stub your toe mode, and you're going to at least share the conference title. If you can just figure out a way, they're going to beat Northern Colorado this week. Poor Northern Colorado. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, that was that was as dismal of an offense. I mean, the Grizz defense played great, but that's as that's as far away on offense as you could possibly be. They had the complete wrong plan, and it played completely into Montana's hands. And Montana just ran rough shot over these guys. It was a uh, it was crazy to watch. But 
Idaho's going to beat Northern Colorado, and then Idaho's just got to figure out a way to not fall at Weber State and not fall to Idaho in the battle. Idaho State, excuse me, in the Battle of the Domes. But uh, and if they do that, they're going to at least going to share the conference title. The rest of the other three have this round robin. Sack will be done with it after they come to Missoula on Saturday, uh, and then of course Montana still has to play Montana State, and Montana State still has to play Montana. So still uh, certainly plenty left to be determined. Yeah, it, it's going to sort itself out, kind of. Uh, I think Idaho's probably going to run the table. I guess the question in the end comes down to who gets the who is ranked ahead at the end of the season. Is it Idaho right. or is it the winner of the brawl? Well, see, this is what's so interesting to me. I was going to ask you this too, from a league perspective, from from the overall league. Obviously, all of these teams want to win the league themselves, and they don't care about the 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 auto bid, the overall yeah yeah uh, health of the league and how you know like. Montana is not going to say, oh, well, Sac State winning the national championship would be good for us. You know what I mean? Montana State's not going to say, well, if the Grizz won the national championship, that's better than, you know what I'm saying? So what's better for the league? What What's better for the league is that the Grizz win their next two games and then the Cats win their next two games and then the winner of that game gets the two seed yes. in the SCS playoffs. That's what's best for the league. But is that how it's all going to play out? That's a complete uh, coin flip question. But there's also this other scenario where, you know, let's say let's say Sack wins in Missoula, but then the Grizz beat the Cats, and then all of a sudden nobody gets a top four seed. That's bad for the league all the way around. Yes, that's right. This is a league uh, this year in the league. You know, we've seen before, I think last year, I think it would have been great for the league if they had gotten six teams in. Right. This year, you're not doing that. You're getting these four teams in and that's probably almost certainly it so can you get three of these teams to be a seed can you get two of these teams in the top four that's what you're shooting for do you think that sac state's in no matter what i mean sac state has to play montana let's say they lose to montana and uc davis then no they're out but i don't think they're gonna lose to uc davis see i think they would be in still that'd be a four loss sac state team with an f seven and four but with with seven d1 wins because they played all d1 non-conference and they beat stanford i know stanford sucks but it's still an fbs win yeah they're in i think they would have to play in the first round but i think they would be in i've heard i've heard rumblings and sam herter has talked and written about this as well as that the bubble is going to be really brutal this year just across the country in terms of those last few at-large spots yeah but yes i think and you know that Stanford win does a lot for you because it allows you to sort of mitigate a conference schedule where in this scenario don't really have any quality conference wins. But yeah, Sac State in that scenario would be what? Seven and four and four and four in the yes, big sky? That's right. Yeah, I think they would still be in. Because for better or worse, the league will, uh, the, excuse me, the uh, playoff committee will reward you for playing an all D1 schedule. They'll reward you for your quote unquote quality losses. And, uh, and they also have a, a quality win in the win over Stanford, even if Stanford isn't any good. And that's also just the way it should be. I know we're Big Sky biased sure. here, but the fourth best team in the Big that's Sky right. Conference any given year right. should be in, and it's going to be a better team than the second best team out of the SoCon or whatever. Well, let's say Portland State won out, and they're sitting there at 7-4, and four, but they only have 61 wins, but they do have a second-to-last week of the season win over, over Montana. Montana. I love this scenario because I think it's plausible. I, it's not I, out of the I question. I think that if the, if the Grizz beat Sac State this weekend, they're going to be absolutely flying high, yes. and everybody's going to overlook that Portland State game. Yep. And I'm not talking about the team. I think, no, right. I think they'll do a fine job of preparing for that game. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody in the media and all the fans going to yes. completely overlook that Portland State game, and I think Portland State is a pretty decent team. That's right. And I think, you know, the Grizz have gotten 
some really good road wins. I still think the Grizz are at their best when they're playing in Washington Grizzly oh, Stadium. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a real trap game, and I think it's entirely plausible that Portland State wins that game. What if Idaho State won out? Idaho State, if they won out, they would be six, uh, six and five. Six and five. But they would have a end of the season win over Idaho, which would cost basically probably cost the Vandals the league championship. Played an all D one schedule. Two of the non conference losses are FBS as well as then they had a loss in Northern Iowa who's been in and out of the top twenty five. They'd have uh, I guess what would they be six and two in conference? Well, yeah, they'd be six and two in conference. They would have wins over UC Davis and Idaho down the stretch. That one see that one seems way more far fetched to well, me, they're, they're, just in, in terms getting, of it happening. Well, of course, it's totally far fetched. It, it would just be hilarious if Idaho State was in I think, on the bubble and we in the first year under Cody Hawkins. That would be. I mean, I think both of those teams of get. I think both of those teams get screwed if they win out and there are sixty one wins. We saw that last year with UC Davis, right? When they had a better yeah. resume than a seven win Montana. I'm gonna keep bringing this up. I know the Grizz fans don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, they look at the number of D one wins yeah. first, and yeah. they order the teams in that order. How mad is Bruce Bartum that Southern Utah and whatever happened, I don't know whose fault it was, but the fact is that they were supposed to play Southern Utah and not North American. Imagine if Portland State played Southern Utah and beat Southern Utah and then had a chance to get to 71 wins. That, that, that was still going to take a strong effort. They're still going to have to win the rest of their games, and Portland State has proven that they have a hard time finding consistency. They look great against Northern Arizona, and then they just completely shit the bed against uh, Idaho State. So, I mean, these are all far-fetched scenarios, let's be honest. I mean, it would be very shocking if Portland State and Idaho— I think we both think that those are two improved teams. I think it would be shocking, though, if those two teams won all three of their November games. Yes, that's right, and I think, they, I think they're I think out anyway. But that uh, that Portland State-Davis game this week, right, is an eliminator because yep. the loser of that game is definitely not going to the playoffs. Winner's still got a little, little glimmer of hope. Uh, okay, uh, we had a question that you put in the outline on Monday for on Nuanas Now about— uh, Coach Houck, and I want to I want to hash this out. Bobby Houck tied Jerome Sowers for the all-time overall wins in the Big Sky Conference, uh, 123 wins during his time at Montana. Um, Coach Houck was completely uncharacteristically humanized when he was asked about it at the press conference. I thought that was like one yeah, of the most. Yeah, he he tried to put it off. He tried to be like it's it's only about the players. Next question, but then he stopped himself and he gave a great answer. He, he gave a great answer, and you know, your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses, right? Bobby Houck's lack of humanity sometimes is what makes him this coach that instills fear in the rest of the Big Sky Conference for a decade plus. And, you know, it's also what makes him sort of bristly to deal with sometimes. And, you know, he's a pain in the ass sometimes. But but I thought it was a beautiful moment for him. I mean, I I do think that it's – I think it's finally, finally sinking in for Coach Houck. Like, hey, I am turning into an old ball coach like he always jokes about, you know. Hey, even if it's not the end right now, I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning. He can and, see it. You know. And I think that's what happens when you get these reminders like this guy that played for you in 2003, your first year as the Grizz head coach, is now the head coach at the team. You're, you're playing, playing them next 20 week. years later, you know, like your son is now coaching in the Big Sky Conference. He was a little kid at Washington Grizzly Stadium when he first started coaching. I think those, you know, Jerome Sowers is long, you know, living up in Haver now. Like you get all these reminders. Terry Donahue, one of his mentors, passed away last year. Like you get all these reminders. But you asked me if I thought this was – was Coach Houck's best coaching job. And uh, I think it's really an interesting question, man, because I think that 
first of all, I think that losing multiple All-American players off the defense actually helped Montana in an ironic sort of way. Because this, like, the, the all-for-one, one-for-all, we just play like a, a maniacal unit that rotates in 18 to 22 guys every single Saturday. It just works a heck of a lot better when you don't have focal points. You know, like last last couple years, they rotated all over the place, except for when Patrick O'Connell was healthy and except for when Robbie Houck's role. I mean, the All-American guys hardly came out of the game. Justin Ford actually had to rotate more than the other guys. Yeah. But it doesn't work as well. Now it's like they're in, they they rotate everybody. They, they Alex Gubner comes out of the game from time to time. You know, Riley Wilson comes out of the game from time to time. Nash Fouch, like their senior safeties, they, they rotate those guys in and out. Braxton Hill. So I, I think that that part caters to the, the style that they want to play. I also think that, you know, we've been critical of like the quote-unquote no-star system. But part of what Bobby Houck's system is, is it's a no-star system, quote-unquote, until you mature to the point where you're ready to be like a quote-unquote man. And then you can become a star above the system. And that's what happened his whole first go-round. And that's a societal thing, I think, more than any other factor. I do think that young people now, the the, the development and your affirmation as an adult is just a little bit delayed. I'm not saying that's good or bad or whatever, but you used to, there used to be like a demand. I mean, our father's generation, the demand was you're a man when you're 18. Then like my generation is you got to be a man by the time you're in your early to mid twenties. And then it's gotten delayed now to like late twenties to early thirties now. And, but I do think that those guys from the last tenure under coach Houck, they were able to sort of, you know, like we, we've seen it the last couple weeks though. What Braxton Hill was like at the press conference yesterday, what reminded me of the first time around coach Houck's always sat between the two players and given everybody heck and, you know, been critical of, you know, Hey, I'll answer that question. Stuff like that. The first time around, the guys that were the older guys would be like, "Well, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I got it." Like Colt Harris is like, "I'm gonna say whatever I want to say." Like I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm the captain of the Grizz. Like I can do what I want. Cole Burkus was great at this too, and Braxton Hill yesterday was like giving Coach Alka a hard time. You know, he's like, "Yeah, Riley Wilson gave made the Highway One quote, and he's definitely been to Highway One. I took him there." You know, that's the kind of stuff. And Coach Alka was laughing. You know, he broke character for a minute. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, it's you know." That's what I'm talking about, the maturity of it all. I just feel like when you have a no-star system, then the guys can rise above it, and then all of a sudden you can have guys that become organic stars rather than anointed stars, and I think it just works a lot. That doesn't answer the question. I know. Is this Bobby Houck's best coaching job? I I would say my high school into college class, that there was was 27 guys that I played with at the East-West Shrine game that all came to Montana, and they all were from Montana, and they all redshirted. I would say the cumulative process of taking those guys from a group of guys that redshirted all together and keeping pretty much all of them until their fifth years in 2009 and then going undefeated and making a run at the national championship with a bunch of Montana guys that all split scholarships coming out of high school. It's a complicated and convoluted version of the answer because it's a five-year deal that you had to get for through. sure. But those guys went 31 and 1 in Big Sky Conference play. And like none of them were supposed to be what they became. And then they all became good. And several of them became some of the best players in school history 
because of the the process. So I'll always say that that class and those guys, you know, like Mark Mariani said on Nuanas Now that last week, he said we never won the pregame. We never won the pregame. We were out there like these guys are way bigger and stronger and more impressive than us. I think that the thing that's been different about this year than almost every other year is one of Bobby Houck's, uh one thing that people have always been critical of is how stubborn he is. He has put the stubbornness aside to a certain extent, and they have changed a bunch of stuff. They have. The way they operate with their quarterbacks, the two-quarterback system, the change of the coaching staff to move everybody around and run these new schemes, the sort of relinquishing the control and letting the players dictate the the, the day, and you know the, the volatility, the challenges, the rebound from NAU. I think that I, I will say I'm not ready to anoint it yet as his best coaching job, but I think it's, it's in the running already, and if they finish the way that they – they think they can, it will certainly be up there, if not definitively the best. That's sort of the point that I wanted to make about it as I've been thinking about this, right? I think that it's clear that they are less talented yeah. individual for individual than they have been in the in several of the last couple of years. I think that the NAU loss is probably the worst loss that they've had, at least since the first year that he's been back. Certainly this tenure, just the the manner and complete ineffectiveness and lackadaisicalness that they played with during that loss. That was the thing I think that made everybody like Grizz Nation and the people that follow the Grizz are intense, passionate and sometimes completely manic. Like there's a certain mania that exists. So losses cause freakouts a lot. When it comes to the followers of the Grizz. That one, though, I think people were sounding the alarm so much because no matter how the Grizz have lost when Bobby Houck has been the coach, they never lost because they didn't play hard. No, the freakout was completely justified. <laughs> yes, because that's the thing. is Even if they're playing hard in like a, a flawed way, they're still playing their asses off, and they did it in that game. That's what's so weird. But the fact that they've rebounded and then are playing as hard as any team that Coach Alex had in the second tenure, that's a true testament to their their adjustment as a staff. Yes. I'm say, I, A lot of coaches and a lot of staffs across the country would not be able to salvage anything from the season after a loss like that. The Grizz have done it. I guess just the one thing that I would say that's stopping me from making this point a little bit more publicly that this is certainly one of the greatest coaching jobs that he's ever had at Missoula is... They just should have switched the quarterbacks earlier. You could be undefeated. Sure. You could be undefeated right now. I think it was obvious in the non-conference that Clifton McDowell was moving the ball better than Sam Vidlack at quarterback. Certainly at halftime of that Northern Arizona game, it looked really apparent that a change was needed there or a change was needed somewhere. They didn't do it. I think they if they had done it at halftime of that Northern Arizona game, they would have won that game. They'd be undefeated right now. And I think that's a huge miss just just from the decision-making process of the coaching staff. But everything else has been, you know, I, this is not a hugely talented team. I think that there are a lot of, I think that Montana State and Idaho clearly have more game winners on sure. their roster yeah. than this Montana team. Right. And, you know, I keep going back to the quote that Bobby Houck said, I think, after the Idaho State game. Well, we're just not built to run away from people. That's right. They've only done it in two games this year, right? Utah Tech and last week. Yep. Against two of the worst teams in the country. And what's the difference? Special teams and and defensive touchdowns. And I think a lot of that leads back to the coaching. That's right. This team is also taking advantage of the opportunities when the opportunities arise, which has been something that eluded the Grizz in uh, 2021 and 2022. He's Andrew Houghton. You can find him each week here on the Big Sky Breakdown. I got to run because we got to go talk to the head man at Sac State. I'm going to ask him what he thinks of the coaching job by Bobby Houck. Andy Thompson, a former Grizz linebacker, brings his team to the belly of the beast on Saturday night. Thanks for being here, Andrew. Thank you. 
the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. And also a big shout out to my guy Kevin over at Westside Private Gym. Kevin has a doctorate in physical therapy and he is a excellent trainer and physical therapist. The easiest way to explain what my uh, new endeavor with him is, we're trying to break down all the concrete. And as you get older, you, you got a whole bunch of inflexibilities, immobilities, your body is formed a certain way from all the ways you've been favoring your various bumps and bruises and injuries. And you know, you can you can make it through, but are you actually living your best life? Are you actually as mobile and flexible and malleable as you can be? And uh, you know, I've had some knee injuries, some shoulder injuries. And so I, you know, I work out a lot, but you know, a lot of times maybe you're training in the wrong way or, or your muscles just aren't firing in a proper fashion. So we're breaking down the concrete and building it back up. The first couple of weeks of these workouts have been pretty much just physical therapy based, tearing down some fascia, you know, loosening up the muscles, really working on the mobility, working on being mindful with the breathing and the muscle engagement, trying to make the muscles proportionally fire. That's such a key thing. And, and Kevin does such a great job of explaining that. So really appreciate him. Can't wait for the journey to continue. And uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on over there. But uh, fit during football back for another year and uh, couldn't do it without the Hype House or especially Kevin over there at Westside Private Gym. First of all, I got to say, I apologize if I repeat myself a little bit because uh, for the first time all season, we're busting out the starting lineup analysis pod in the same day. <laughs> Mostly this is because of a production scheduling thing. So I've already recorded with Ty Gregorak and Andrew Houghton today. And uh, now we're here with Brooks Nuanas. I'm Coulter Nuanas. You can always find all this stuff, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big CI Breakdown numbers have been phenomenal so far this fall, so appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, if you ever want to know like how you can help us, number one thing you could do is just tell your friends. Just tell people that care about this stuff, hey, you should check these guys out. You need something new to listen to? You need something fun? Go listen to the Big CI Breakdown pod. But appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, so I've been rolling on uh, Big Sky Conference conversations for – Pretty much hours straight because I sandwiched in a couple coaches' interviews in here as well. Uh, but we'll try to keep it fresh. One thing we haven't talked about hardly at all so far, though, is the uh, the beatdown in Missoula on Saturday. You were there. <laughs> we're so lucky that you know so much about this stuff and keep it interesting for us, Colton. <laughs> Otherwise, like, man, you could run out of stuff quick and then no one would really want to listen to it. But we have you and we're very blessed. <laughs> I, I guess that's probably a part of it. But what'd you think of Saturday? I mean, forty to nothing. Uh, what did he even say? Man, yeah, Northern Colorado was a bad team. They're really bad. They're really bad. It's, I feel it, bad for Ed Lamb. I do. I feel bad for their players too because it's not really like their fault. It's not that they they're just undermanned. They just don't have a ton of talent. They tried like the <laughs> whole time. Like there's teams that that quit and still yeah, yeah. score like 21 points. Like, yeah, yeah. I've seen teams that like completely. Yeah. Get, you know, sail it in. Don't even care. The way that the Grizz can build momentum, especially defensively, and start to kind of like pile on and you really have no breathing room, that's the smothering style that they want to play. It's also a lot of teams, like I say, you put in second, third string, and they don't have that same mentality and a team will score a couple late touchdowns. That wasn't the case for Northern Colorado. And they, they just really, they played tough the first quarter and a half, and then it just really started to avalanche. Yeah, I mean, Ed, Ed 
Sam was asked, you know, what was your biggest challenges going against Montana's defense? I mean, they only had 94 yards of total offense. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Under 100 yards of offense in a college game. And Ed Lamb said, well, we had no chance to block them. So that's kind of where it starts. And, uh, you know, he said, hey, our game plan coming in was we thought that the one way we could maybe attack the defense was on the edge, and that was by passing the ball. And uh, that certainly turned out to not be true. And, you know, Alex Gubner basically ruins the inside of the line on the very first play against a true freshman center, then the damnedest opens, and then all of a sudden, I mean, the pass rush was relentless. And, uh, I mean, the girls are rolling right now, but that Northern Colorado team was totally overmatched. But, I mean, that's the thing is sometimes you don't get much out of beating a team you're uh, – beating a winless team you're supposed to beat. But for the style that this Grizz team plays – I thought that was the perfect game for them coming into what's now going to be the pivotal stretch of their season starting Saturday with Sac State in town. Definitely. And they not don't take this the wrong way of anybody, but they didn't like play amazing offensively or anything. It wasn't like the Grizz were just like lighting it up on offense. It was a, a really impressive defensive showing. Um, they, they, they spread the ball around on the ground. You know, they, they had to have run the ball at least 50, 50, 55 times. And then how do you pronounce Ayat's first name? Kiali'i. Kiali'i, what what a debut, man. When he first went in, I said, no shit. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like, they're playing him? I was like, oh, right, hold on. They can play one, two, three. They can play him in four games, but then what about the playoffs? Then I learned that the playoffs don't count, and I'm Mm. like, man. You were overseas when this revelation came about. I did not know that. I thought that you could only play four games and no playoff games this year. right? I mean, it's it's within the last month, really. That's new. Yeah, that's um, and that's not a slight change. That's a monster change. Monster change. Especially if, if this kid... Who I mean, not all these guys—they're all kids, but this is a kid here. That we're talking yeah, about. right, for sure. A young, young person. If he has the the it that I think that everyone thinks he does, think about the run that he could go on. It wasn't that it was like, oh, fun. Here's the Ayat kid, legacy guy. Oh, it's great to see him in a heartwarming story. It's like, no. When I saw him the first time in fall camp, I was like, oh, he can spit it. Oh, that's sweet. Look, he's a little athletic, got a little juice. Got in the college game, one of the best players on the field. No question. The way that his pocket elusiveness, the way he could move the pocket, he could throw, strong-armed guy. You know, I think a more traditional quarterback, I don't think he's going to be a runner like they've been trying to implement for what now? It's been forever since Brady got five years yeah. yeah i mean it's been a long time of like well what about just a quarterback that can just like you know spin a little bit and hand it to the running back kind of a good deal there i loved everything about the yacht kid i don't want to overstate it or have some recency bias but when i was staring down the barrel man i saw my 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 uh, eyes definitely lit up it's it's a huge i mean it's a huge opportunity for montana football because everybody knows the name i mean his dad brian ayat is the the second best quarterback in Grizz football history. I mean, it's like you could argue number three through number 15 in terms of the all-time Grizz quarterback ratings, but number one's Dave Dickinson and number two is Brian Ayotte. So this kid has huge shoes to fill for sure, but also that's probably a huge influence as to why he's at Montana. I mean, I talked to Andy Thompson earlier today, and he he said on the record, like, we had this kid on a visit. We think he's sweet too. And, and, uh, you know, Montana just beat beat us for him, so – where he comes from to that that league he's in in Hawaii is is uh, FBS factory. So he comes in like pretty battle tested, at least from the high school ranks. It's always a big jump. But my biggest question with this is, I mean, first of all, the backup quarterback's been the most famous, been the favorite, the fan favorite in Missoula for thirty years. Because once upon a time, Brent Wilberger was the starting quarterback and Dave Diggins was the backup, and Wilberger got hurt and Dave Dickinson came in, and the rest is history. You know, they they won every game for three years in a row, and that's what happened. 
So everybody's been like, well, the backup quarterback in Missoula for, I mean, forever. Since, you know, I was in college, it was Jeff Disney and then Justin Roper and all these guys and, you know, a million different backup quarterbacks have had the the eye of the, the, the fans. Daniel Britt was the latest darling. And then this year it was Clifton McDowell until he became the starting quarterback. And now it's Kiali Liayat. Uh, but like my question here is the Grizz first month of the season, they didn't look good because they didn't have a quarterback. Then they decided on a quarterback for a month and it went great. And now they're going to go back to a two quarterback thing, but with a different guy. How do they manage this? I don't think that you do. I think it's only a matter of time before one of these guys is the full-time guy. And it just might as well be McDowell. Maybe they're just getting Ayat's feet wet because they know that in a playoff situation, you probably can't go back to Vidlak, right? So you probably got to get Ayat's feet wet in case he does have to play because of injury or you know because of the situation. Bobby said very clearly on Saturday, we, we played him. We played Ayat because we've been planning on having a two-quarterback system this whole year. Right. It's such bullshit. There's no way that that was the plan. There's no way that before the season starts, you're like, we got to go with a two-quarterback system. There's just no way. Vidlak, you put him in, and in the first two games, you realized he wasn't the guy. And then you had to backtrack. I don't think that that was ever the plan. And if it is moving forward, it can't be for more than just this year. And there's there's just never been a team. Please reach out, DM me, if you know of a team that has never run a two-quarterback system, that then for one year runs a two-quarterback system with quarterbacks that aren't two-quarterback system-style players and then doesn't do it ever again. If you had two guys, like McDowell is the perfect, you put him in and he runs. He's Sean Chambers for Montana State, right? Sure. You have a quarterback, Sam Vidlak. You put in McDowell for five possessions a game and he just only runs it. That is a two-quarterback system. But then if you go with just the runner and then you have him throw it 30 times in a game, multiple times in a month, and then you put in a freshman to sp- to spell him, that's even if Coach Hal, and I mean this in the nicest way, I'm not calling it bullshit. Like, I understand that week to week that could be the, the evolution of the plan. That's not how two quarterback systems run. You don't have the runner be the starter and then have him be the primary starter and then put a freshman in as the spot guy. That's not how those that system works usually. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Now we're here with Brooks Nuanez. I always wonder when it comes to decisions like this, you want you want to know who does stuff like this? Two two types of head coaches. One, offensive-minded head coaches that have a true plan and they have two quarterbacks that are two quarterback system type guys. And then defensive coaches who hate going against this. So they want to do it because they know that it's hard for them to come up with 
schemes for that that's what this that's the latter here right also the i think the third option there is that if you only have transfers and you don't like any of them i think that's like the third option right okay so then what do you do here i think that you 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 just wait till i gets hot and then he never comes out again for the next four years so are the the grizz gonna go bobcat here i think they might Wow, I think it was the beginning of it. I mean, I there's McDowell. Just gonna put- McDowell, like the second that Ayat came in, McDowell's play went down. He didn't play as well for sure. the rest of the game. He didn't play like he didn't have the spark that he's had the last couple of weeks. He only threw the ball fourteen times, where again he was throwing. He was like twenty two for twenty nine. You know, two weeks ago he he's been throwing the ball at a significantly higher rate and actually with some success at times. And he was the dude. And then you pull the rug on him for a freshman who then comes out and balls and everyone, the crowd's twice as loud because it's Ayat's kid. So I don't think that you can put this one back in the box. What are the best and worst case scenarios for this? That you put McDowell back in the position of playing three or four possessions where he just runs downhill. He got 12 carries for 74 yards and that's all he does. That's, I think, what he's built for. Wildcat quarterback. I think it's Sean Chambers. Keep him I on think, your hip. Yeah, Put him I in think, when he's ready to roll. Right, but you have to give him possessions. You can't give him plays. In the beginning right. with Vidlak, they give him like two plays, then Vidlak would be back in, then two plays. It's like you got to give him full possessions where it's sure. his turn and he gets it till they punt it or they score. You know, That's just my opinion. The fact that they had Ayat in the back pocket the whole time and that this was obviously a plan. I mean, I heard from people inter- internally last summer that, that he's the best quarterback on their roster. After they already had transfer two transfers that are upperclassmen come in. I mean, like, for instance, like the touchdown that he threw to Junior Bergen is like the most mm-hmm. open a person can be. Yes. Most freshmen still don't put it on the dot there. Like, right. you're a little bit panicked. It's like a 38-yard throw. Like, you're not just, like, on the money. You're a little bit off. Bergen's one of the best players in the country. He's still going to catch it, right? But it was just a perfect ball, and he has so much confidence. Like, in this, the footwork release was like, oh, my God, this guy has it. He Man, threw a cold so- ball to the sideline. Like, he threw a ball right at me that was from the opposite hash. Whistled past me. The guy didn't catch it, but I was like, dude, that ball is cooking. The, the thing that's so crazy about the rest of the Grizz season in the scope of the FCS playoffs is that the Grizz are about to play two teams in the next three weeks, and arguably maybe even three teams in the next three weeks, that are better than anybody they're going to draw the first two rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of how the playoffs work. If the big sky's right. good. Like you, can, you can do the bench Matt McKay thing and put Tommy Mallott in when you know that the team you're going to play in the first playoff game is Tennessee Martin. Yeah. Yep. And, you, and you can just screw Roll around until yeah. the fourth quarter, and then yeah. all you need is one Tommy Mallott touchdown, and then you won, and then, oh, boom, now then touchdown Tommy happens, and... The next week, it's rolling and all that. So Beat the number one team in the country for the first road win in, play, in school history. Yeah, I mean, I think that this kid, this Ayat kid, I think is is got all of that and more. Wow. I don't think he's got the same kind of, like, juice with the ball in his hands. But Well, I mean, Tommy Martin runs a 4-3, so, that, I mean, nobody really does. Dude, I pride myself on knowing this kind of stuff. Like, during fall camp, I said, who's the best guy that I've seen on the Grizz? Eli Gilman, it's not even close. It's yes. like, it's just the eye test. It's like, yeah. if you know football, you know football. I think that's And, like, what... when I see Ayat, it's like, oh, Dude, he's totally got it. My phone blew up. Uh, first of all, I was in... The, the, you and I talk about this all the time. I don't know how there's just stretches of earth in America that just... There's just no... Your cell phone just doesn't work. But uh, there's a whole 70-mile stretch 
Between. I drive for a living and unable to talk on the phone. <laughs> dropped call after Between dropped call. Plumber, Idaho, and the Kibbe Dome, your phone doesn't work. Let's just slap a tower over there. <laughs> it's got to be like not that much money. <laughs> that means it's not like it's a crazy populated area, but there's certainly tens of thousands of people that live over there that uh, probably would like to use a phone. So, Or maybe not. That's the whole point. Yeah, that's the whole point. Uh, anyways, my iMessaging was working, but all my other stuff wasn't, and several of my group texts are not iMessaging, they're just normal text messages. So I didn't get all the texts until I got back into service, and then I just got like 10 million texts about IOT, most of whom were from Grizz fans and followers and boosters and people that you know follow this podcast and all that stuff. But always that kind of stuff's grain of salt because people can be prisoner of the moment, and if you're texting me on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, you're basking in the glory of a, a shutout win, and you probably had some sarsaparillas and whatever. But when... Samuel Kim is a pro football player who's been contributing here on the Big Sky Breakdown. And when Marty Mornoweg, who's a 25-year coach in the NFL, and when you know multiple people that uh, are objectively viewing this stuff and, and really know their stuff start to confirm the, the hype, and then I hearken back to what I heard last summer, and then I hearken back to what we saw at fall camp, and then we talk about how we both – I mean – Coming out of fall camp, if you were to say, okay, give me the five best young players on the Grizz, I think you would have said Eli Gilman one, Keely Liayat two, right? Yeah, right there. I mean, very close for sure. When you're watching them all throw, you're like, okay, well, there's the guy that's the transfer from Central Arkansas, and there's the guy that's the transfer from Boise State, and that guy's better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also, you could be better at this level than – it may not translate to every single program in the no, country, right. but like, and some guys could be better at a higher level – I know that's confusing to kind of understand, but it happens in basketball more than anything where you can have like a dude who's uh, the fourth best player on a high major D1 team in basketball and he transfers to like mid-major, low-major and he's not that good because he's just like his role was wrong and like that can happen in football too. So I think the IOT is just built for exactly what he's about to experience. The worst case scenario here is this makes him stuck again. I think that it was inevitable. I guess the if you they weren't in on McDowell from the beginning, and then when he went in, they still weren't in on him, and they're seven and eight and one, seven and one, seven and one. It's like they still haven't been in on him. So it's like at some point yeah. they've never right. Have you ever felt like they were in on him? No. Yeah. So they try to they they're in on him for the first quarter and a half to make sure they get a lead, and then they just sit on it. That's yeah. What they, that's what they did against Idaho. Yeah. That's what they did against UC Davis. They don't trust him. They don't really like him. They don't use him like a lot of the stuff that I feel like a lot of the times he's pulling the ball and running. It's his choice. It's not them putting the ball on his hands and they're happy with the results sometimes. But sometimes he kind of has a a little bit of like, you know, not 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 give a a shit in him. And Bobby hates that kind of stuff. And not give a shit isn't about like effort or anything. It's just about like he's just a cool cat. He like, like, like he understands like he's just kind of a baller and like. He needs to get going, and he wants the ball in his hands, and like that's just not really like the, the style that they want. I, and for a moment they did, but then they can't embrace it for whatever. Okay, reason. so then how do they adjust schematically because they can't pass block? And the number one thing they change. Ayat doesn't their, need pass blocking because he can move in the pocket. He's just a, move he's, outside. Yeah, the and he can't. I'm not saying he can ever run, but he's just massively elusive. Like his his flip, like his back is to the defensive end, and the flip out of the pocket to roll back to your to your uh, left side. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a comp who like. And again, I don't really think you can teach it. You either have it or you don't. Like Johnny right. Manziel, Ma- Johnny Manziel kind of thing. Johnny Manziel's that, obviously a different runner. That's what Coach Barty always says. Coach Barty says you can teach a whole bunch of stuff, but instincts you can't teach. Yeah, and the instinct to know to get out early, not too early. But then also, when he broke the pocket three or four times, he stayed lateral with it. He didn't push it upfield and then get like stuck in no man's land. He's, he 
was continuing to evade as a passer, not someone who was trying to make a decision. He was still a passer, but also in, in uh, evading mode. It was it was genius. The wide splits and the get the quarterback out on the edge and just have him make plays has been the thing that's made them turn the corner offensively the last three or four games. If they can continue to maintain that with Ayat, then I do think two quarterbacks or transitioning quarterbacks is good. It could be a huge roll of the dice, though, because the like the Grizz had it figured out. They they didn't have it figured out, and then they figured it out, and then meddling with that could be tenuous. I think that you just have to have a quick trigger with McDowell as far as you got to get him motivated, you got to continue to play him. Yeah, and if it if it's time and it's not working, I think it's just got to cut the cut the cord. You want to know the best thing they got going for him? <sighs> yes. At the very least, their next. Three out of their next four games are going to be at home. Yep. The one that's not is at Portland State. Yep. Yep, that's huge. If the Cat Grizz game was in Bozeman, or yeah, like if huge. you had to go to the Kid Dome this week or something, forget about it. You, could, you couldn't even experiment with making this move. Man, this is going to be fascinating, though. Because the... If, if Ayat goes nuts at Washington Grizzly Stadium, then... He's going to. The way that they're going to have to manage this is going to be crazy. He's going to. And guess what? He's going to be a freshman next year, and you still can't talk to him. <laughs> can McDowell handle it? I think he can. It's whether the coaches, the the, the program as a whole, supports him to handle it. Well, that's Vidlak going to do. Bye-bye. He's already on Sorry. a bus, so yeah, he's, he's gone. I mean, Sam Vidlak's a good dude. He came on the show Good dude for times. sure. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, it's a bad spot. It's a bad spot. It's a bad it's spot. Just, it's the business of it. It's hard. Yep. He's not. He wasn't. I don't even know. Well, we can talk about him after the season because yeah, yeah. we can break it down. Not going to pile on because, yeah, that's a that's a tough spot. He's a good player. He can definitely play Division One college football. Just he'll find a spot for sure. I mean, what his skill set is is not. It's not what the offense they want to run, and it's not what the offensive. I mean, if you can't protect, if you can't protect him, then he can't do anything. Yeah, and he's and then he got a bad rap against Northern Arizona because he threw a couple of picks, but it's like he's getting pounded in the he, tur- he turned the ball over pretty much every game. No, he did so. for sure, but that's also because he can't run and they can't pass block. He was a risk taker. Is a risk taker. I appreciate that about him. Like definitely fearless as far as I mean, he put press the edge and just get ragged all the ball be flying everywhere. It's like. <laughs> I I don't I I've I think he's still a young enough player that he has a career ahead of him. But yeah, tough tough draw. You want to know the best part about Ayat though that someone said to me, yeah. or my revelation. You guys about realize it? this is Brooks Nuana is talking about this, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know me. You I, actually haven't been in on anything like this in a long time, dude. Kids these days aren't adults. All they do is walk around and mess up situations. That's so Adults true. just mess up everything. So then like these kids, <laughs> watching kids just like so crumble, true. crumble under like the internal pressure that's created for no reason rather than to be yeah. like vaulted into success and then supported in the way that each individual needs. The world has changed. It has not to do with being soft. It has to do with like... I'm not in on a lot of different quarterback play, especially because I think the guys just aren't being developed correctly. They're in systems that are just not great systems. And then the play calling is just out of this world bad. And the, well, we're gonna, the intentions are never stated to the athlete. No one knows. That's the biggest, de- that's the biggest detriment to college football across the board is the intention of what I need you to do from the people that are running the organization to tell the kids is what is a disconnect. And it's why the the teams that do it well, and I would actually say this Grizz team is doing it very well right now. They are. 
Montana State has done that so well the last handful of years. It's been one of the things that set them apart from everybody else. Here's what I need out of you. Here's what your role is. Here's what I need to get the, from you. When the Grizz say it, all this, the cliches that are so painful of like, I just got to do my 111th on defense. I just got to trust that my other guys will do their job. It is so true. When they say do their 111th, they understand what that means. Yes. On, if you ask like the left guard, like, what is your role in this team? They'd be like, well, you know, it's just, it's kind of variable. It depends on. They're not being told the same way. And that happens with quarterbacks, too. Oh, yeah. We need you to not turn the ball over. Okay, well, you need to call better plays <laughs> that fit my skill set and not like the script and, and getting off schedule and all the stuff that's like, be, grow up, adults, like, figure it out. So I'm in this on is a this. a broad conversation. We're not talking about the Grizz right now. We're talking about just in general college Definitely football. Definitely not just, the Grizz. Just, we're no, talking no. about football in general. This is not even just a college football thing. This is We're talking about sports in general. Adults yeah, yeah, just messing sure. up everything. Like, just get out of the way. Let <laughs> this dude's ball. Like, it's just, these guys know what they're doing. Back to why I'm st- why I'm in on the Ayat thing again, Colter. It's just the eye test. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, right. There are guys that that play are on rosters that we see and know that never make a huge impact that I think are just absolute studs because of the eye test. Yes. Because of like knowing watching them over and seeing it, the watching the way they walk and talk and jump and run. And there is something special about people. It has nothing to do with body composition. It has to do with if you have it. I always say some people are hoopers, right? Some people are different styles of, of athletes. Some people are good at hockey. They're good at golf. They're good at this, but they aren't hoopers. They aren't football players. They aren't this, they aren't that. Ayat is a hooper, man. Like, I just believe that he could, the athletic profile he has, him with his shirt off and his funny haircut, and he's 18 years old, you'd be like, what is this guy? That's not what we're talking about. Creativity. It's just improvisation. It's the art of it. He he has it, and he had it for the second I saw him, but then he goes in the game, and it wasn't too big for him at all. I mean, Dave, this is way too high of a ceiling to put on this kid, but like, Dave Dickinson is 5'10. I mean, he like Dave Dickinson is not an impressive looking athlete at all. But then Dave Dickinson is what you're talking about. He has like that total improvisational yeah. skill to be able to do stuff. Absolutely. So. You can think of guys like Kevin Criswell. You know, Kevin Criswell has him. it, you know, like where you're like, this guy, who is this dude? He's just going to cook you. Just cook you. <laughs> cook you. Guys like Tommy Malott, when we talk about that comparison, Tommy Malott is so much more of an of a Autobot. He's so much more of a physical specimen, and he has the baller in him, but that's why Troy Anderson, who has the physics, the physical specimen, and then the, the touch, the feel, the artisticness of it, when you have that, then you're talking about second-round draft picks. But sure. there are just unique myths of guys that are like, that dude, Mark Mariani, had it. He had juice, obviously a little bit different speed profile. But we're just talking about guys that just can go get it. I got to get back to my point of someone said to me, the Ayat thing is so exciting, man, but like someone's just going to come take him. And I'm like, he's the only guy on any of these rosters that would never leave here. He Ever. And there's so much that goes into that. He it, could blow it, up. It's his and dad's, he's he's going to stay here, Connections man. for sure, but there's also just the the Hawaiian culture part thing, it's too. It's huge. If they... If they Keep him close and make him feel like he's a part of the family. And the Grizz fan base does too. He won't leave. He would. He won't leave. I totally agree. That's awesome. It's so awesome. It's very rare to be a freshman who's about to be a freshman and have like this kind of coming out party where I think, like I say, it's going to continue. I think he's going to get 15 throws a game and they're just going to put up numbers, throw touchdowns. It's really rare to not have that 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 hidden pit in your stomach that says, "Oh, this guy's going to get picked up by some FBS team." Uh, all right, what do we think about the matchup Saturday night in Missoula then? Uh, Sac State coming to town. It's just amazing to me how much the Grizz have altered the narrative of their season. It is amazing. Um, the number one thing that we talked about, Coulter, is like week three. Let's say like Ferris State maybe. 
Mm-hmm. We said that if they don't be careful, you can lose the crowd. And if you lose the crowd, it's going to take you over a year to get it back. Yep. It's very That's hard to do in Missoula. But there's just so much fun outside the stadium. There's just so much culture that's happening around the football game that if yeah. the football game isn't great, you can still have a good time. And you're going to say, yeah, I went to the Grizz game. It's fun. Yeah. But you can lose that atmosphere if you don't somehow like find a spark. And the last couple of weeks, but especially this week, when they're rolling it up, 40 to nothing, IOTS in, they're getting defensive touchdowns, like the spark was there. Yep. And now it's to the point where if they can continue that or rather replicate it on Saturday in a night game against a top 10 opponent, it's a real, real tough place to play. It always is, but if they make it hard, man, oh man, it's there's nothing like it. For sure. And Sometimes the circumstances just play so big, but it's been so long. The way that Montana's intentionally scheduled multiple, if not three, home games in September, so the weather's nice so they can sell out the stadium no matter who they play, right? That's been a an athletic department business decision to try to get as many September home games as you can. And then they've had to have these Octobers where they're, they're gone, gone yeah. and then they lose games and it it does impact the yeah, momentum. It does. If you go sweep October on the road, which they had never, they have not, not done that in 25 years. They have yeah. not won back-to-back ranked road games since 2000. And last year they went on the road and lost a, a two of the games and then came back and lost to Idaho. No, or was it before? And then first, went on the road. And then went yeah. on the road and yeah. lost to Sac and Weber. Right, right. And then, every, you know, everybody's freaking out. And so, um, yeah, that, that, intangible is one thing that's just given them so much juice i also think that they just deserve uh, we keep saying the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for a lot of the adjustments but i just think that i'm going to keep harping on it the players deserve a ton of credit yeah they've hung in there man and they've 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 understood the mission and they've bought into it and that's a huge testament to coaching like think about how many how many talented players they had last year that were seniors that did not have their best years as grizz the, the this program that Bobby Houck runs and the system that he runs, you're supposed to peak when you're a senior. And there's all sorts of things that got in the way of that. Patrick O'Connell was super hurt. You know, Justin Ford was hurt. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other seniors. Regardless, this year, think of all the seniors on the team. Who, Garrett Gray's been banged up. Other than that, who's a senior on he the He still played well. And he still played well. And he's also just the uh, the the rise of some of the backup safeties, Jackson Lee and Ryder Meyer. I mean, that's not like, no, that's not no. to Garrett Gray's No, no, and they have a lot demise. of depth there. But like, yeah. if you think about the other seniors, Alex Gubner, Braxton ball, Hill. Balling, balling. Levi Janicaro. Played well. Ryan Tyrrell. I guess Tyrrell's, Tyrrell's like somewhere, in the, he might have another year left, even though he he's- He probably does. But he's a fourth or fifth I think year he does, guy. yeah. Regardless. Tyler Flink, mm-hmm. Nash Fouch, you know, across the board, all of their guys on defense, especially, are playing their best football right now. Absolutely. And that's when the system and the program works. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, the matchup against Sac State, I think Sac State's a talented team, but I think that they really are exactly what we've kind of determined them to be. Yeah. The fourth best team in the league. That's right. So, can the fourth best team come in and beat the second, maybe first best team in the league on the road at Washington Grizzly? I mean, those odds are definitely against you. I think that Sac State has all all of the talent in the world to do so. They also have a little bit of a unique system. I think, Coulter, that one thing the Grizz are going to have to... They fi- might have a two-quarterback system now, too. Right. Have to figure <laughs> out is, is likely with Sac State's um, offensive prowess, like likely the, the Grizz are going to give up some scores. And that might not be the case. They're playing so lights out on defense, I would not bet that. But you hear me out. 
is that they are going to take some a couple lumps in a game against a really talented team. Yeah. And defensively, you can't make that feel like a failure because of how high of a level. You can't expect to pitch a shutout. You can't expect to give up under 100 yards, right? So you have to kind of take that in stride and, and make sure and find some pace in the game where you are going to take some shots. So I think Montana obviously has been geared up and built to do that, but we'll see how they respond to, to that offensive action from Sac State. But last thought on this, then we'll get to some cat stock real quick. Um, and by the way, we're doing these sort of unevenly on purpose because Coach Ty and I talked almost exclusively about the Cats and the way they're going to rebound. And we talked a lot about Idaho too. And we're talking a lot about Grizz here. And so, you know, that's how we roll here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, like, you know this as, as you get older, like there's certain, certain things like your parents have told you that have been like annoying but then you get older and you're like, God dang it, man. Mom was right. They're true. Well, dad, dad had that one nailed. Absolutely you know, true. We pushed back against it for 25 years. And then you're like, dad, yeah, no, mom was right. Dad was right. Bobby Houck's version of that is his assertion that statistics in football are completely irrelevant and stupid, except for the only statistics that he cares about, which are rushing yards allowed and turnover margin. And I don't think all statistics in football are stupid. I don't. I do think that there's, I do think some are overblown. You know, like I think right now, for example, Idaho entered last week and they probably after last week's performance, they probably still are leading the Big Sky Conference in total defense. That does not mean Idaho has the best defense in the league. It's because Idaho's offense has the ball for 36 minutes a game. That's why they have the most statistically prolific defense in the league because they don't have to play defense that much because the way their offense works. So I do think there's some stats that are skewed, but I do think the important stats are time of possession, sacks, Rushing yards for and rushing yards allowed, and t- turnover margin takeaways, and that's Bobby Houck says it's rushing yards allowed and turnover margin, and that's it. Well, what was the tie that binds for Coach Houck's first tenure at Montana? It was turnover margin. They they, they had years where they were like plus twenty. It was like crazy how many turnovers those two thousands Grizz teams had and that helped mitigate pretty much every possible weakness you could point out and those teams didn't have a lot of weaknesses but the you know if you go out and get 20 picks and force 15 fumbles you're gonna beat a lot of teams almost all that's where they're at right now and i think that that's why the screws team is going to be dangerous down the stretch because we can talk about quarterback play this and you know them giving up passing yards when they're running cover two and all these different things they stopped giving they stopped getting gassed in the scene coach Houck's assertion that passing yards are empty calories the one flaw in that was that they didn't have anybody to guard the middle of the field the last couple of years because Robbie Houck was so involved in the run fit so they would just get gashed in the same spot by the same teams and all the teams that could beat them Idaho Eastern Washington uh, Montana State Sac State James Madison they all beat them in the exact same way they fixed that because they started running some combo coverages they started changing coverages on the back end and they're just getting I think more depth and more play out of that part of their team uh other than that though if you erase the run and you win the turnover battle it's a pretty simple formula and i think that that's why this team is dangerous because they're completely bought into that and they're executing it really really well absolutely and then the the relentless commitment to the blitz um only works if you keep guys healthy and you start getting home and they've just been doing that and they can yep. just roll guys and, and they got guys back healthy too. yeah i mean Kelly's being more healthy helps Riley wilson was out him being back that helps big time i mean he's their best edge guy uh 
Yeah, I think that... Uh, I mean, Kellen Diedrich got pressure on Saturday, and I mean, he was all over the field for a possession, which, again, you just need all, a couple plays here and there to really spark uh, some of those stars. It's going to be fascinating to see the way this all plays out, because if the Grizz win Saturday night, then they have to avoid a trap game in Portland State because everybody's going to be looking ahead to the Cats. If they lose Saturday night, then they have to re redo the whole thing and, and you know get back on track and whatever. Uh, so I don't know. It's gonna be there's a there's a lot of intrigue, a lot left to be decided. I saw cats real quick. To me, this loss to Idaho, there's there's, I think three or four factors that were sort of revelatory within the result. One, I think Montana State has gotten too cute and cocky early on in games with all the razzle dazzle shit that they've been trying to run because they're trying to experimentation. They're showing all this stuff. It's like, just just run the ball. Just run the ball. Run the ball. Okay, that's one part. So you, you can you can be critical of the play calling early and late in that game. I thought the way they called plays uh, down the stretch was uh, abysmal. I thought it was it was so, so bad. So bad. Like, you hit a couple first downs to get in Idaho territory. Run the ball. You have Great. three timeouts. You have three timeouts. You're on the 25-yard line, and you give up two sacks. Like, how do you do get that? Get another 10 yards, and you get how do you have do a that? better chance. Why are you doing drop? Like, why are you just dropping back? Get Tommy to out get on the sacked. edge. Yeah, like they don't they don't give up sacks. Have they given wild. up any sacks in the last couple of years? Like they don't have seven step drops into getting sacked. That doesn't happen. It's wild because they roll their guys out. So there's the play calling criticism you could have, but I also think there's a tr- real element of the fact that most of the stuff they're running offensively is read based, and a lot of times that's on the quarterback. It's not on the play caller. I mean, Brett Began talked extensively about it in his press conference. He's like, man. A lot of times we're calling a, a RPO and the running back and the quarterback, you know, aren't, aren't on the same page, and then all of a sudden you're throwing it over here. And I, so I think there's there's some adjustments to be made in the decision making of the quarterback. Um, but then the, the those are the tangible parts. The in, the intangible part is Montana State hasn't looked flustered to me or like looked like they were on their heels in a game since. South Dakota State last year in the playoffs and in a regular season game since Missoula, where they were in Missoula against Montana in 2021, that's been the most consistent part of the program is that they they always remain steady and on their toes and moving forward. And no matter what happens to us, no matter what mistakes we make, we can bounce back from them. So um, I, I, I don't. I, I still think that the Big Sky is wild enough that uh, losing at Idaho doesn't doesn't kill you. I don't think it removes anything that you had as your your main goals. I think if you're the Cats and you win out, you're still going to be the two or the three seed, and I think that's exactly where you thought and wanted to be. Uh, but they got to win out. And, uh, you know, if you win at Idaho, then maybe you don't have to necessarily win out to still get to that spot. But now you got to win out. And so I just think there's a lot of adjustments to be had. Yeah, I thought that they did. The Cats didn't look great. Obviously, Idaho had a really good game plan, so you got to give that nod. You absolutely do. I mean, just what they they did what they want to do. They want to, you know, the first possession. What did you say? Called their nineteen plays or something. They still take a fifty yard. <laughs> it was actually the goal. second possession because the Cats had three sacks in a row on the first possession, which was Oops. wild. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but then but then they go three and out because they threw it twice. Like you get three sacks on your first defensive possession, and then you go throw it twice in the first three plays. Just it was just totally confusing. And throw it with a guy that you you don't want me to start tearing into what I think of time a lot as a passer. I'm going to leave that well, alone. Well, the other part though, I said there was going to be four factors. The one part I didn't uh, acknowledge was, and I, I rewatched the game last night. Tommy threw the ball really well for a lot of the game, and his receivers did not bail him out at all. I mean, they win that game if Taco Dollar catches the touchdown right before halftime. Yeah, I, I understand that, but you're also saying that Tommy Malott threw the ball really well. 
Uh, they had 20 th- 23 rushes, Coulter, and he yeah. threw the ball 24 times. That's the wrong ratio. That's the wrong ratio. Idaho ran the ball 43 times. Yep. I mean, like, w- like stats are for losers. Well, you lost yeah, right. because of that's that. Right. That's you right. Know? It's just that's like, right. that's the facts. Like, that's right. I love Tom a lot, and I think he's a tremendous player. Tom a lot carried the ball six times. Sean Chambers carried the ball three times. You're doing it wrong. That's wrong. That's the wrong mix. Yeah, in a game that is close the whole time, and yeah. you have your three, your two best, your three best ball carriers combined for less than twenty well, carries. I mean, the whole thing is you're just, rushing for three hundred and fifty yards a game. No, I know, I know, and that's where it comes down to is they only ran nine plays the first twenty eight minutes of the game because they went three and out three times in a row. But what how do you I, go three and out? Well, what my argument is is run the ball. How do you go three and out? Especially when you're averaging seven yards a carry. Seven yards a carry, so seven, one, two, <laughs> that's 21 yards, that's two first downs and one, but then you go one, two. Well, it's like Giovanni McCoy said in the post-game press conference because somebody asked him about how they go, f- go for it on fourth down every time, and he's like, well, we go for it on fourth down every time because four times four is 16, and we just know we're going to get four yards on every play. So we just go for it because – if it's fourth and two, we're going to get four yards. So we just go for it because we're going to get four yards on every play. We already got three yards on each of these plays to make it fourth and one. So we're just going to get three more yards. Yeah. Three times four is 12. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it was funny rationale. But anyways. Montana State really didn't, as you mentioned, Colter, for the first time in several years, look like themselves. And that's a weird spot to be in, especially with the physicality. You come out and get three sacks. You expect to have the ball a little bit more. But I think uh, you got to have a better ability to adjust to what Idaho was doing there. Even if it's just the mindset, as you said, Coulter, if they get the second possession, nineteen plays, right? Yep. You got to come out and start running the ball. The ball is now yours for the next eight minutes. That's right. You got to like right. establish that that is going to how it's going to be. Not going to be like we're going to hit him in the face here. We're going to have a little bing boom, throw it, catch him off guard. Yeah. We're going to score quick. That's not the answer. They're still the best team in the conference, right? I think that they're still the best team in the country if they play Sean Chambers more. I agree. I don't know how you couldn't. I agree. When have they looked bad? <laughs> the last fact, two weeks is the only time they've even like wavered. Yeah. And it's when Tommy's been back, and it's not has nothing to do with Tommy. It has to do with the flow of the game and the identity of what you want to be. And if you want to use Tommy a certain way, you can't just say that Tommy's a completely different quarterback. You have to run him. You have to run him. And if that's with the RPO game, that's fine. Julius Davis needs 18 carries a game, and Tommy and, and, and Sean Chambers need to split 20, 20 carries. Yeah. And it's just that's just how it is. And if they're the not going to do part that. Is that that's why I always say. Coulter, they, they only gave up 24 points. <laughs> right. And they threw the ball more than they passed, or yeah. they, you know, the more than they ran. That's, that's, that's outside of the, the whole plan. That's not the identity. Yep, it's true. That's why I always say it's not about who's better, Tom, Tommy Mullock. There's nothing Sean to do Chambers. with it. I just think that the cats are better when they only have one of those guys at their disposal. I because agree. both guys are better when they aren't rotating. Because that's what happens with like that's how like the quarterback position is. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I like the are. NFL teams that rotate all their quarterbacks. You know, no, the highest right. level of football, right. they just all rotate them. That's right. Specialty guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. they don't do that. They don't do that. <laughs> Sean Chambers uh, in the red zone is an option. I get that. But what's wrong with Tommy in the in the red zone? No, that's right. I just think that you got to get guys in the flow. You can't have package spot things like let Sean Chambers play six possessions or five or two possessions. Like give him the ball on the twenty yard line and let him go with it. I just don't see why not. They've been great with him the whole entire time. 
they are they are a package to me, and they play really well together. I think you need both of them if you're going to be physical and run the ball the way that they do, especially Sean Chambers' big body. He's healthy. He had three carries for seven yards. The, the thing that I would say to bring this back around to the positive side on the Cats is that a lot of college football programs have culpable deniability where like all the stuff we're just saying they would like be in denial of. These guys don't have that. They've had all of the conversations that we are having right now not being too cute early on in drives. Run the damn ball. Figure out a way to be in more flow with your quarterbacks. Figure out a way to be in more flow with the rotations. Get, stay on the field. Get your defense off. They've had every single one of these conversations already. I mean, Brent Vegan talked for 45 minutes yesterday yeah. about all the stuff that they need to change. He was so open and was like, yeah, we messed all this up. We lost this game. as a team loss. It's on the coaches, the players, yeah. all of it. Yeah. And they've totally acknowledged it, and that's why – I do feel a little bad for NAU because NAU is about to get the doors blown off. Of <laughs> yeah. NAU has three ranked wins this year. They've been competitive when they play. Yeah, good they're teams. competitive for sure. They rise to the level of the opponent that they played. They they beat Weber when they were still ranked, UC Davis when they were still ranked, Montana uh, right out the gates uh, in Big Sky play, and they also only lost to Sac State by one. But then they've also just screwed around and you know got blown out by Portland State. They're a quintessential play to their level of play. That said, the Cats are going to be. I mean. That's the other part, is that the offensive line for the Cats is so mature and they they have such a unique and distinct like pod of leadership within their team that they're just going to be like, dude, we're, 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 run the ball. Mm-hmm. 60, 60 freaking run plays down your throat. Let's roll. Yep. And you, Coulter, uh, my last note on this is it's one of my favorite things, and I think it's something that anyone can borrow. You can borrow it. Anyone listening, you can borrow this. The theory of rational coaching. Yes. The idea, and the Cats have had this on lock for so long, and that's why sometimes when Montana has gone up and down or made interesting decisions, you can kind of like lean back on it, and teams like NAU, which you're talking about, they are this to the max, but the Cats have the theory of rational coaching where you can make opinions and predictions based on knowing that the coaching will be rational. Teams like (laughs) NAU... You can't do that. You can't assume. You cannot just guarantee that all things, if the coaching is just perfect, here's the outcomes. The cats have that. They have right. this ability to be like, the outcome will be this, or the, the outcome has the opportunity to reach this level because the coaching will be rational. It's yeah. very unique, hard to get to, especially in college. Man. Montana, when they're right now, when they start to become more rational, the prediction of the outcome becomes much more stable, especially defensively. That's where South Dakota State with John Stiglmeyer, you know for a fact before, well, he's been there for 26 years, that the coaching would be rational, so you can put that, that variable is stationary, it's fixed. Yes. You can then add in talent, you can add in a little game plan, mm, a little flair, and all of a sudden you have this beautiful, you're at 99 and the other team's at 82, and they played well, and you still out-scheme the heck out of them because your coaching was strong. Montana State, on Saturday, the theory of rational coaching was blew up in their face. Wow. And they were making decisions that were not not to their culture or to their uh, style. Man, one of the best races in the league this year is the race for coach of the year. Oh man, it's a good one. You got yeah, Cody Hawkins, who's got Idaho State playing their asses off, and who would have thought that was going to be turned around? They're not turned around yet, but like I thought, they were winning zero games this year, and they've won three games already. So uh, that's one. Bobby Houck outcoaches Jason Eck completely on national TV. And then Jason Eck gets his team back in it and comes back and outcoaches Brent Vegan. Vegan's the best coach in the league. 
<laughs> so the round and round we go. I mean, there's like four legitimate, really strong candidates entering November for Big Sky Coach of the Year, and it's pretty uh, pretty cool to watch. He's Brooks Duana's Big Sky Breakdown. You can find him here once a week here, uh, SkylineSportsMT.com. You can also check him out on Nuana's Now on uh, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, the ESPN MT app, and the Nuana's Now podcast, talking all things NFL each week as well. Great analysis, man. Thanks. Yeah, you got it. Thanks. College athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuana's here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Well, Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, and we're coming to you on a fine Halloween afternoon here. I guess it's not quite afternoon. I don't even know what the heck time it is. I already rescheduled this thing four times in two texts, but Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Coach Ty, what are you for Halloween? I know you guys are a big Halloween family. We we, we usually take Halloween to a whole nother level. Yes, you do. So we kind of feel like we're, I mean, it's kind of tame for us this year. We're the Adams family. Oh, good. So I'm go, yeah, I'm Gomez. Uh, Candace is Morticia. Uh, Gabby is going to rock Wednesday. And the pork chop slash tank slash son, uh, my boy Jax, will be, what is it, Pugsley? 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 <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Whatever. He'll, 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 he'll rock it pretty well, I guarantee it. So. It'll be, it'll be fun. Uh, thank God it's not seven degrees and uh, the snow is attempting to melt. So hopefully the neighborhoods are not slick. But, yeah, man, we have a good time. We'll have a few different families coming over and Candace will have some good food going and uh, get a big fire going in the driveway and lots of loud, angry Halloween-type music blaring out the house. And uh, we, it's all decorated. Not, nothing insane, but, you know, we, we're festive. We like, we, we like Halloween, man. Well, that's awesome, and I'm so glad you guys are doing the family thing, and that's great, and uh, hopefully you have uh, an enjoyable night. Let's talk some Big Sky Conference football. Uh, first of all, what the hell do we know? <laughs> we, I thought it was going to be one way going into November, and uh, it's kind of that way because I think that the four teams that you and I and Andrew Houghton and Brooks Nuanas and a lot of us here at Skyline Sports, we all kind of had the same group of teams pinned as the teams that were going to really be the, the true playoff contenders in the league, and I think the one that – maybe uh, didn't come to fruition as Weber State, and, and that's not a surprise because they have a first-year head coach. But 
I just find it endlessly fascinating and also super awesome that, I mean, one of the things that we've been bitching for, about for 10 years is the unbalanced schedule in the league. In the big sky, you really shouldn't be able to go undefeated in the league. And we've had multiple teams go undefeated because they didn't have to play everybody. Well, guess what now? Everybody's got to play everybody. SAC has to play Montana, Montana State, Idaho State. Same thing. Idaho's got to play all three. They actually, in fact, already have. Montana, Montana State, they got to play all three. Uh, and Montana State only has to still play the Grizz, and Montana still has to play Sat. There's a whole bunch of round robins, so I guess the, the first question is, how exciting is this November going to be? I think it'll be one of the more exciting Novembers we've got to cover in a while. I mean, just, just, when, just everything you just said, and obviously what happened this last weekend, uh, there's a lot at stake for a good chunk of teams. Now, I mean, I think, again, we've talked – we talk about it each week. I, I, I mean, there's kind of – if you were a betting guy and you were to bet the, the, the mortgage, we, the, the big sky will get four in, don't you think, in the playoffs? I mean, don't, I don't, don't, right. you, don't, don't you believe Montana, Montana State, Idaho, and Sac State are all worthy of being postseason participants? I mean, I, I, I believe they are. I think that's and right. I, and I think bar, barring a train wreck, those four should be in the postseason. Idaho, does Idaho State still have a chance, Coulter? Or did, Man, I, the fact I, that they I didn't win any non-conference games hurts them, but if they were to yes. win out down the stretch, that means they would have beaten – they still have to play UC Davis, they still have to beat Idaho, they still have to play Idaho. So a 6-2 and two record in league play would make them 6-5. and five. I don't think they'd get in, but I think they'd be on the bubble. Okay, so okay, so they're, 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 they're kind of the bubble team now that, that, that we're going to be kind of watching and talking about it i think portland can... state is probably on the bubble as well the thing that's going to hurt them is that they played a, a school that's not you know non-existent yes. north american university yes. you know if portland state got to six uh big sky wins that that's still in play they'd have to win their last three they'd have to beat montana but uh but i also think they'd be on the bubble because they'd only have six d1 wins that's the thing that hurts idaho state portland state and uc davis is they can't get to more than six d1 wins and, 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 I mean, there's so many different uh, ways you and I can spend the next half hour or whatever, but that's why I don't love FCS teams playing up or down. I, I just, because it just, I, I mean, like going back to last year, you can't tell me, you cannot tell me that that Oregon State loss didn't ultimately affect the, the, the final seeding for Montana State. Yep. I mean, I just, you know, because they, they ran the table and, you know, still had to go through Brookings. So I, I just, I don't love it. I understand that there's FCS programs that, that feel like they have to do it financially. I think there's some that don't have to do it, uh, you know, in, in terms of in terms of getting a money game, whether it's here in the Treasure State or going and playing, you know, uh, uh, Washington or an Oregon State. So, yeah, man, okay. I mean, we know we know that there's four teams very much in play, and it's uh, it's going to be exciting to watch these last few weeks. And and so, you know, we talked about it last week. I think Montana's got a beautiful in, inside track, just schedule wise, uh, at least leading up to the brawl. I still believe that that is a hundred percent true with, with the Bobcats, just, you know, having, having the next two at home before the brawl, um, you know, and then it's just what, you know, what, what, what the heck Idaho going to do? What's, what's that going to do? Um, I, I kind of hear you on Idaho State and Portland State. They, it's like it's like they, they show flashes. Yep. You know that they're that they're close, that they're ready to make that next step. That you know Cody Hawkins is doing a good job in year one. Bruce Barnum wants more than anything to have a, a postseason 
team and, and yet and yet and then and then you look at a score and go well they're out you know I mean I just I think I think ultimately they're they're probably out you know and so I think that I think the next few weeks man we're really really talking I mean I know we're always going to talk about the two teams in Montana but I think we're really only talking about four teams to to to, to make noise in both the leagues you know and, and ultimately that that uh, in, in the playoff committee's eyes well, just a side note, because I don't want to spend too much time on them, but I will say this. Portland State always has to play up twice because of just their financial situation. So they had to play at Oregon. They had to play at Wyoming. That is what it is. You know, I agree with you. I think if you have the, the financial means and the scheduling wherewithal, you shouldn't play up or down if you can if you can help it. Portland State has to. But the North American game landed on the schedule because they screwed up a contract. It was supposed to be Southern Utah in Portland. Let's say Portland State wins that game against Southern Utah instead of North American, and then let's say they uh, go six and two in league play, and all of a sudden they're sitting there at seven and four. Then maybe they're on the uh, the playoff bubble. So I don't want to spend any time on that. There's just a side note where sometimes scheduling gets screwed up, and you have to take a game because you need a home game because you just went to uh, Otson and, and War Memorial and got whipped twice. So you need some positive momentum, and that's what happened to Portland State. But let's take it all the way back around then to these contenders. I do find it fascinating that there's a round robin that exists between Montana. Montana State, Idaho, and Sac State. Sac State will finish this round robin on Saturday in Missoula, and they'll have the, the other two in the rear view. Montana State just has the game in Missoula looming. The Grizz, it is a favorable schedule, but they still have to play two of the top dogs. They're both at home, but they still have to do it. If you're Idaho, though, you got all three in the rear view. You've already beaten Sac, you've already beaten Montana State, and you lost to Montana, but it was in the middle of the year, so I don't think it hurts you much. So the Vandals talked after the game on Saturday that they felt as if they reassumed the position in the driver's seat. What say you? Do you think Idaho's in the driver's seat since they've already got the other three contenders in the rear view? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Yes. And no. And, and only because and you, you and I have now um, you and I have both seen them up close and personal. They're good. And they they're good. Got some good. They're, they're good. They're good, but they have flaws. They definitely now, do. Yeah, they do, and and we could we could say that each one of the top four do, and you know obviously some of those flaws were exposed, um, you know very much exposed for Montana State, a team that last week. And listen, and I, I listened to your show yesterday. They're still there's they're still probably the the best overall team in the league, and they're still one of the best. You know if you know they're they're one of the best in the country. But yeah, I, I I mean Idaho Idaho's they've got a beautiful a beautiful uh, case uh, to, to to make some real noise here in the last few weeks. At, but as do those other teams. I mean, that, what's crazy is they're I mean all all three. Of, I mean, is it safe to no matter what happens? Well, okay, Sac, if Sac State beat Idaho, I mean, again, shoot, man, a lot of things can happen in the next three weeks, Coulter. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. true. I mean, I, I mean, truly, I mean, the what ifs. I mean, you were saying the what ifs and maybes about Portland State. I mean, how many different what ifs and maybe scenarios could we talk about with with uh, you know the the teams closest to us in in Bozeman, Missoula, and Moscow? So, yeah, but you, but 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 a win like that, you know, after the bye, after a devastating loss against the Grizz, what a what a confidence boost that was what, what, what a, you know, to, to go up against one of the best. And, and I appreciated all of coach X comments uh, post game and what he said about, you know, Hey, we're, we're trying to be that, you yep. know, and we just, we just proved that we can be, 
and I and I thought I thought he was you know he was very for for as excited and fired up as he was I thought he was also very humble saying yeah we're we're good but we still have a long way to go but yeah it's just wow I mean I I, uh, I mean NAU comes to Bozeman this weekend well it wasn't that long ago that NAU was knocking off the other big dog in, I mean, right totally. now in, Mon- in, in Montana you know uh, I mean State. NAU only has three wins all three of them are against teams that were ranked at the time <laughs> I know that UC Davis and Weber aren't ranked anymore but they have NAU has three ranked wins this year. Right. So, you know, it, it uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just, I, I, I think, I think every coach and it's, it's not just coach speak in this case, like each coach, each team truly has to take this sucker week by week and, yep. and, and show up and sh- like legitimately show up with your, your best effort in a game because, it is truly, you know, everything's still out there for those three teams. Uh, what I was going to, what, what I was going to say though, is if Sac State, so if Stack State won out, they would still, they, in theory, they still have a shot at, at, at a title or a co-champ, right? Well, they need, they would need somebody to knock off Idaho or somebody to knock off Montana State because Sac has the two losses. They've lost to Idaho yeah. and they've lost to Montana State. So if they won out, that, that would mean that they beat the Grizz. That means they beat UC Davis, uh, but yeah. they would also they would need some help. They would need, but then they probably need they would knock off Montana in that scenario, and then they would need Montana to beat Montana State, and then they would need probably Idaho State or Weber State to beat Idaho. That's a that's that's a lofty uh, what if it made. That's right? a lot you of know, things. So yes, it, it it is. So uh, yeah, man, I I just think it was it was a you know it was a great game. I know I know the one in in Missoula um, was not. Oh boy. Uh, and, and you know, but but that's all a team needs is now. You know, it wasn't that long ago. People people are you know wanting. Wanting, uh, you know, regime changes and pitchforks and everything, you know, the sky's falling. And next thing you know, all it takes is some wins and some big wins. And these teams get a little mojo and start feeling a little bit like Montana, like Idaho. Obviously, the Bobcats are are licking their wounds a little bit. Uh, A lot to be excited about if you're a fan of these programs that we're talking about. A lot to be excited about still if you're a fan of the big sky. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving.
Tag Greg Rack here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, one more thought on Idaho, and then we'll get to the Montana schools because I do think that here's here's what I think is going on. I do think Jason Eck was being very, um, I think he was being open and honest and revelatory, and he was pandering a little bit as well. But I do think that Idaho actually, I think that their roster is is relatively uneven. I mean, I, I think that they're just okay on the offensive line because they're young. They start nothing but sophomores and freshmen. I think they're okay defensively. I think they're trending up, certainly, but I, I don't think they have like an elite defense yet, but they have the best quarterback in the conference. They have the best playmaker in the conference, and uh, they got a, a couple other guys who are, if they weren't on the same team as Hayden Hatton, would also be probably among the best playmakers in the conference, and they're still pretty dang good. And oh, by the way, they probably have the best running back in the conference as well. And right now they have a coach that's absolutely inside tracking, at least, to the uh, the coach of the year. So, I mean, I think that that's the, the whole deal here with Idaho is they know what they're, they are, they know what they're not, they played to their strengths, and they got through a devilish October, and they split with the Montana school which is what they had to do. And, uh, and now they have the most favorable schedule of the contenders coming down the stretch. I just think it's a heck of a coaching job by Coach Eck, and it's also a great job putting your best players on a pedestal and letting them win games for you. I mean, I know Giovanni McCoy's stats are just whatever. Like, if you never watched him play, you just look at his stats right now, you'd say, oh, that guy's fine, whatever. But you've watched – you just watched him a lifetime, and this guy is a, is a dude, man. Like, he is so tough. He keeps plays alive. He's such a playmaker. And, uh, I mean, he's just the straw that stirs the drink. So I think it's been a heck of a job by Coach Eck empowering his quarterback and his offensive skill guys to get to this point. I think that's why they're in the driver's seat. Well, a, a thousand percent. And, and you just get a little historical and go back a year. How did they knock off Montana in Missoula? Truth. How did they, how did they knock off the number two team this last week? 42, almost 42 minutes of possession time, man. They, they did not let the offenses or let, let the oppo- opposing offenses have the football. And when the, and when they did get the ball, they just couldn't make anything happen. At least, you know that first half was nothing short of abysmal for for Montana State. And and I know uh, I know the game in in uh, Missoula last year was was such. Or I mean, probably not probably not as bad in terms of a, of a half. I mean, that was just insane to think that they didn't have a first down till the last eighty some seconds of of the half. But the, his plan going back to Kochek, his plan was just beautifully orchestrated against the two teams in Montana the last year and a half. It will be fascinating to see if they can keep it going because last year they had a great October and then they sort of fell flat. In November, they got whipped by Sac State and UC Davis and they lost in the first round of the playoffs and it was sort of a a lackluster end to what was uh, an otherwise great first year uh, under Jason Eck. Let's talk about the other side of that matchup, though, Ty. We've talked about how this Bobcat team has been focused, driven, deliberate, uh, single-minded, unflappable, all of those things. And even when they've played poorly for stretches in games, they just find a way to get back to what they lean on. And if they ever get the momentum from you, they're not going to give it back. Well, they never got the momentum for one second. On That's not true. They actually had it for a brief moment in the third quarter in Moscow, but still, uh, Idaho definitely dictated that portion of the game. And uh, it was it was fascinating. I, mean, I was on the sideline for most of this game, and I, I've been on the sideline for three Bobcat games so far this year, and just how cool, calm, and collected they always are is so impressive. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of, of what the heck's going on here? Are we going to turn this? Uh, where's our complimentary football we've hung our hats on? How do we get this going? What? How do we get the ball back? It was very fascinating to see, and I, I think it's uh, – I, I don't want to make too much of this because I'm not trying to bury the cats right now. 
now, but I do think it's a judgment day moment for Montana State. They got to figure out how to get back to what they were the first two months of the year, and they got to do it right now so they can get momentum going into the rivalry game because otherwise this thing could spiral. I don't think it will. I think they will get back on track, but they got to do it. I mean, this is a make-or-break week this week with NAU coming to town. It, 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 it absolutely is. I just, I just wanted to say one more thing as to what you are just saying about Idaho last year and in terms of Coach X's first year. The way, the way their season ended was very much, um, in my mind, a, a team that hadn't been used to that, if that makes sense. They, they, they hadn't experienced that, that, that level of, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to air quote, success. But, you know, team, teams, you know, you know we, we keep talking about Coach Barnum and, and uh, Portland State. You know, te- teams don't, if they don't know success, if they don't know how that feels, they, they kind of struggle late. I mean, they, they, it's almost front runner ish type. And so, so just all, all I was going to say is I, I'd be shocked if you saw, even though there's still so much youth on that team and there is, you just talked about the O line and I mean, shoot that almost every player that played on Saturday is going to be back next year. Right. I mean, Trey Thomas is a good player. He's gone. I mean, there's only like, if you look at the two deep, there really isn't many seniors. And so I just feel like another year under their belt, you know, first year head coach, first year staff, a lot of first year players last year. I'd be shocked if, if you saw a, um, a, a, a derailment. Uh, like that this year that's all that's all the only point I was gonna make because because now they kind of now they kind of know a little bit what it feels like to have success they know what it feels like to beat Montana and and Montana State and go go to the playoffs and and honestly if you I I watched that game from start to finish that was a dang good game I mean you can point to a couple few plays where they're you know they're probably on the road winning that game so anyway I, I just think, yes, he's done a heck of a job. He brings some juice. He brings some fire. He's so what that program needed, and they've embraced him, and they, I mean, by all accounts, love the guy, and how can you not? I mean, he, he's, he's doing the social media thing, and anyway, I, I, think, I think it's so, so clear talking about Montana State, and if you watch or listen to a broadcast, I think, I think people know how strongly I feel about a young man from Anchorage, Alaska, by the name of Derek Snell. Yep, he is a difference maker. Okay, not he, he, he's not a, he's not touchdown Tommy. He's not Sean Chambers, who's got thirty touchdowns in eighteen games, nineteen games now. But from a leadership standpoint, a veteran. I mean, he's been in the program a long time, and he he does so much for the offense in terms of blocking, what he can do. Um, and, and they can put him all over the field. I think he's a massive, massive loss Huge. For, for this for, for this Montana State offense and Montana State team in general. And I think you saw that just <laughs> via game plan. <laughs> um, and what? And I'm not. I, I'm absolutely not taking anything away from Trayton Pickering and Ryan Longren. They're just different type athletes at it's, that position. it's a different position totally right it i mean snow plays the h like it's a totally unique position compared to what those other guys play yes i mean t- D- derek derek legitimately can be a y h u fullback they can put him at receiver buddy if 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 things aren't good in the kicking game they put him back to catch punts because they know he'll catch them you know so um i just think i think he's a he's a big big loss um 
that was uh, that was as as poor of a half, a poor of a start as you've seen from a Brent Vegan team. I think I said it on air. I mean, other than Oregon State, where they were just flat flat outmatched. I mean, uh, you know, Oregon Oregon State was was good last year. They're really good this year. I mean, they're a good football team. Um, and and then obviously the the Missoula game a couple of years ago, where they just kind of you know essentially laid an egg. Um, in, in Coach Vegan's first brawl, that that was that that was tough. That was tough to watch because you just you sit there and you go, I mean, I said it at half, man. Uh, now again, compliments to Idaho. They didn't give them many opportunities. I mean, what was the first drive? Eleven minutes or something like that. Eleven minutes of the, of the first quarter, they own they own the uh, the rock. That's um, right. I mean, they had the ball 27 and a half of the first 30 minutes of the game. So that, I've never seen anything like that. I, I don't know if I have either. I mean, that, that, that's, that is a crazy statistic in itself. But, but I'm going to throw out another crazy statistic to you. Their, their running backs touched the ball four times in the first half. Four times. Or maybe, five, was it five? Four or five times in the first half? I mean, you, got Julie, you saw the way Julius Davis ran. When he when he when he got his touches there in the second half, and you've seen the way he runs uh, all year. I mean, I, I think I, I think I mentioned. I mean, he you know he's a Wisconsin transfer that runs like a Big Ten running back in the Big Sky, and I I just I don't know. It was you saw very very little of Sean Chambers, and when you did, what did he do? A couple of quarterback runs, you know. I mean, so it was it it was it was an interesting day. I mean, it was it, you know I mean we. We call the game, and obviously we, you know, we exclusively do the Bobcat games. But yeah, I, I you know, pe- people are talking about the defense, and, and and I mean, I said it on air a couple times, and I have to always kind of be careful what I say. But I mean, Brody Greeby. Well, I'll, I'll say this: when 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 Giovanni McCoy actually did drop back, you could see. I mean, the the drop back game was not going to be a big part of their deal because sure. their front. Their front five could not handle their front four, and that was extremely evident. So it had to be quick. It had to be RPO-ish. It had to be, uh, you know, get the ball out of his hand hurry because when they did try, it, it, it wasn't very successful. Um, but, yeah, they just they, – they, they had a tough time um, get, getting Idaho's uh, offense off the field. Idaho had a great game plan, which they executed probably not perfectly, but – close <laughs> i mean really 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 close uh it, it was just fascinating to watch man and and you just you, you, I, i'll say this too uh danny danny you that's a huge loss it definitely because is. you it, because you get past you get past mccade o'reilly you kind of saw it when he went down there's some there's some young second level players in, in, in young slash inexperienced linebackers in that group and 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 they just started running power and just started getting little little chunk run plays that that was almost kind of soul crushing, and you know there was a lot of hands on the hips and, and I mean what how could there not be when you're playing in a dome, and the 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 the, the conclusion of it is the defense being on the field for 41 and a half minutes of a of a football game you know so. They uh, they've got some soul searching to do in a hurry, like in a in a I mean in about a four day hurry because, you know you get home Saturday night, you get you got to give the boys the day off whether it's Sunday or Monday they get Sunday off here, 
uh, other than, you know, watching a little film. Um, and then they're rolling Monday through Thursday. And, and re- really, really, it's Monday through Wednesday because Thursday's a polished day and, and, and Friday you're walking through and going through film and getting ready for the ball game, you know? So, and any, any use kind of almost a bipolar type team, you know, for who, sure. who's going to show, who's going to show up. I mean, they, they could beat you and they can get whipped, you know, so big, big game this weekend. I mean, thank, thank God. I love, I love that you, but you, you might as well just bring it up every Monday when, when you get, when you get a, a, a you know, a 12, one or two o'clock start, like, like just praise the Lord. The game is being played <laughs> in the afternoon, you know, God almighty. Uh, so yeah, man, I really, really big game for the Bobcats on a lot of levels. Just to, just in, 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 from, in my, from my standpoint, just getting some confidence back. And I, I think this is still, I've always called them a quiet, confident team. You know, there, there's not a lot of, I, I just don't look at the, you know, you listen to the, the press conferences and post game. And even a couple of days after the game, there's a, a, there's a very quiet confidence about this program. And that starts with the leadership uh, from the coaching staff and then the leaders on the team. But, you know, you lose a, a veteran senior dude like number eight, Derek Snow. Uh, you you lose a senior, uh, not a senior. I'm sorry, a junior captain in Danny Yu. Those, those those guys, and, and I know Derek. There's an outside chance Derek can come back, depending on how late the the team can play. Meaning meaning how many how long they can extend their season. I know they're they're hoping Dan, Danny can get back here in the next couple of few weeks. I mean, I know that it'd be just massive to have him back for the brawl. But but a couple of couple of key players like that can be tough. And and I think I think you kind of got a little taste of what that looks like uh on on saturday because idaho was far from perfect dude i mean that, that's true but i mean you, you you and i have talked for what two months i mean montana montana state really has never you know they haven't played the perfect game lots of errors and i mean the kicking game i'm sure we can dive, dive into for it sure. a bit. um you know but yeah man it's it, it's a huge game this saturday against nau uh just in terms of trying to get some of that mojo back saying no 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 no. we're we're still a very very good team because there's doubters right now just like there always sure. will be after a loss i mean shoot da- dabo sweet dabo sweetie's getting in fights with caller in guys now you know so good lord you know anyway man I couldn't believe that show even exists. That's a complete aside. But, I mean, imagine, like, Jeff Choate or Bobby Howe taking call-ins from rabid fans. I mean, talk about could go bad. Dabo got after that guy, but it could have been way worse. I mean, there's a lot of coaches we both know that would absolutely eviscerate. I mean, he, he, that, Dabo got after that guy for sure. But uh, you could uh, you, you could have a lot worse than that, that's for sure. Uh, la- last couple things for you here, Ty. Um, when it comes to what went wrong and what needs to be adjusted for Montana State, I mean, to me, I think that there's th- – there's three different factors. I thought the play calling was a little bit confusing, both early and late offensively. I do think part of that's the mechanism of the RPO that they run, and sometimes the quarterback making the right and or wrong decisions. I also think the receivers uh, did not help out Tommy Malata at all. I think, I mean, Taco Dollar dropped a touchdown, and, and you had a couple other uh, conversions or, uh, that would have been conversions that they didn't get because of uh, wide receiver mistakes. But more than anything, I think it's the complete intangible element of the fact that the Cats got punched in the face and they didn't, they weren't able to punch back and that's that's not been a scenario that they've really had to endure since 2021 in Missoula really so I mean do, do you go back to the drawing board and do you analyze all the, the tangible stuff like the play calling and the operations and the RPO stuff or is it just as simple as hey guys we play this style we weren't allowed to play our style we got to get back on track yeah it's there, there was some missed opportunities there culture um you know that 
I think I said it coming out of half. I mean, like the reality is they should, they, they probably could have been up, should have been up. And at one point you're like, well, this, this could have been a 14, 17 point swing. Yep. That, 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 that they just could, couldn't capitalize on. I mean, I mean, Taco you know, catches Taco, the touchdown and or you hit yes. the field goal, and that's seven to yes. ten points right there, and then you score 14 right yes. off the gates in halftime, and you could at the very least be up, what, 21 to 10, and then maybe, maybe even 24 to 10 if the just a couple mistakes go your way? Absolutely, and, and, and people, you can point to the dang ball going off his face, man. I mean, the, the, I mean, Tommy threw the ball beautifully. Dime. Tommy actually threw the ball really well. I mean, I, I, I mean, overall, he he was really on target and and looked sharp. I thought, uh, you know, you can point fingers at the dang kicker, but I, I did I did appreciate C- Coach Vegan stepping up, and he is a I mean, he's Frankenstein, man. I mean, it's Halloween, man. I mean, we can talk. He, he's a large human being. I, every time I was talking to he and his wife in the in the hotel. I'm just, every time I'm around that guy, I'm like, good God, you're a big dude. Um, and I'm not small Coulter, but I, what I, what I did appreciate him saying is we win as a team and we lose as a team and we lost as a team, the team lost. I mean, you can point, you can, there, there's blame to go around. And and I appreciated him saying, you know, starting, starting at the top, you know, starting, starting with the coaches and, um, but so many, so many squandered opportunities in that game where, where, and, and you know, football, maybe is is one of the greatest momentum games there is yep you know and kind of kind of kind of you know the, the the who has it has has a, has a real good shot to win and uh, you know but yeah blocked kicks i mean i think i think i mentioned that on, i mean we used to we used to you know i mean the analytics and all that but like it, it it's dang near 80% or something it's it's a oh, crazy yeah. statistic if you have a kick blocked in the game you have a, I don't want to say the percentage because I just don't know it off the top of my head, but you have a crazy, crazy, yeah, you're gonna lose. high percent of losing. Yeah. And that, that's kind of, that's been rearing its ugly head now for weeks. And sure enough, you go on the road against a good team. The, the two, the two teams that they've lost to are both good football teams, both on the road. And, and I mean, what was it in Brookings penalties? Nine false starts, you know, missed opportunities, whether it was a touchdown at the last, the second to last play or not, penalties, um, an interception, and then this one in, in Idaho. I mean, you, we, we've already basically talked about them. The inability to get off the field, uh, missed opportunities with the touchdown and kicks, and, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a, I mean, I don't want to say devastating loss, but it was a, it's got to be an absolute wake-up call for the for the you know f- former number two team in the country, a team that we uh, uh, this time last week believed was probably the best team in the country. Yep, and they still can be now. It just this just puts their backs against the wall, and they have to now win. I think they, I mean to to be in the playoff position that you think you need to be in, and the thing that you think you deserve. Now you got to win out, and and if you are one of the best or the best team in the country, you can certainly do that. But that starts Saturday uh, with NAU. Uh, Tag Gregorak here on the Big Sky Breakdown. All right, last thing for you then. Uh, just thoughts on uh, Sac State at Montana under the lights. I mean, this has been quite uh, quite the turnaround for the Grizz. They just absolutely rolled through October, and uh, I mean, I know a lot of people say this team still has weaknesses. I agree. I do think that they have some deficits on their roster, but I think everybody does. I think that we just went through that with Idaho. You know, I think Sac State. Said 
same thing. And uh, I really just think that confidence, momentum, belief is going to be one of, if not the most important factors here in November. And right now, this Grizz team's got it like they haven't had it in several years. And uh, you know Bobby Houck well, Ty. That's something that he does better than just about anybody. And if his team's believing and they're playing their asses off like they are right now, they're tough to beat no matter what sort of talent deficiencies they might have. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But what do you think of this game, Sac State at Montana Saturday night? Well, I love it. I love the matchup. Uh, you know, just you've got so much familiar familiarity um, on the on that Sacramento coaching staff, uh, a Sacramento State team that's not afraid uh, to to compete, whether it's home or on the road. Um, you've seen that with their big big victory of over his former boss in Stanford, and and, and you know this is not not a former boss, but a former coach. I mean the the, the the young man, uh, you know, finished finished his career with the Grizz, playing for Bobby Houck, and obviously Craig Paulson, and, and just some crazy familiarity. Um, I I love the I love the matchup, man. I'm I'm, I'm assuming. Are you going to stick in Missoula this week? To, I'll to stick in Missoula one? this week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, which is probably good on, on a lot of, personally and professionally for you, Coulter. You, I mean, good lord, you you need a weekend in Missoula. Um, <laughs> Indeed, I do. <laughs> no, I I love it. I mean, I and, but you're right, Coach Houck. I mean, the the, the the only the only the only problem I have is, is what 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 chip on his shoulder is he does he have this week? You know, what, what, <laughs> what, 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 you know, because he's been so dang good with with playing the underdog role, and you know everybody hates us and everybody you know. So, no, I I I think it's a it's a are, are both are both games going off at the same time? Cold no, Grizz are night games, 6 p.m. kickoff. So Cats oh. early and then Grizz at night. So here we go again. But 6 p.m. is a heck of a lot better than 8.30, I'll tell you that. No question. I, I, I love it. It, it, it. I mean, almost – Almost all all these North teams are probably like, not. Nah, oh, it's Davis? Yeah, we're going to put it at night. Oh, it's Sac State? We're going to put it at night. You know, give, give them a taste of their own medicine, making us wait, you know, making everybody wait around all day to go play them. I think it's an intriguing matchup, man. I really do. Just And I'll tell you why. Sac State's got some athletes. They re- they've got yes, some they really, do. really good athletes. And, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say they're more athletic, but, I mean, they've got some – dudes just just and again i haven't got to see him in person but watching him on television um so yeah i mean it, it, it and i i think andy will probably have a very aggressive game plan defensively um you know i i, I know they've kind of kind of found their way uh with, with the quarterback situation I, I i saw the youngster got in this week and everybody's having you know deja vu slash uh, not deja vu but um you know he, he, hearing that very storied name uh, over the loudspeaker and I, I know was was huge in missoula so and it sounds like he might get some more playing time you know in our yacht so uh, i think it's a, i think it's a great matchup i i, I think that montana I, I don't care how you know how really 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 good or uh, just okay or average Montana is playing in Washington Grizz is a, it's a different animal, man, as you know. So um, big time game, big time game for, for so many reasons. And, and uh, you know, Sacramento, they, they know, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting. They're, they're fighting to, to, to remain in, in the postseason conversation. So it's a, it's a big game for both schools, bud. Ty Gregorak, you can find him here on the Big Sky Breakdown each week. You can also find him on the call on NTN and Scripps. 
across the great state of Montana and, quite frankly, across the entire Big Sky Conference. Montana State hosts Northern Arizona. Montana hosts Sac State. November is here. Plenty to be determined. Coach Ty, appreciate the time, man. That was a great conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Coulter. You do an awesome job, man, and uh, have fun staying at home this, uh, let's see, so 6 o'clock start, done by about 9, 9.30, which means you're, you know, you'll only be working until about 1 or 2 a.m. on Saturday. That's right, but at least I get to sleep in my own bed. That's all I really worry about. Exactly. So uh, if if I don't see you here in Bozeman, either one of the next two, I know that I will see you in a few weeks uh, for uh, a a little football game that uh, everyone in this state I know is just freaking dying to, to watch here in a few weeks. But each team has to take care of business, uh, in particular, this week. So, anyway, thanks, man. Hi, I'm attorney Dave Maldonado, a seasoned litigator with over a decade of experience in Montana. Have you been injured in a car accident? If so, remember insurance companies want to give you as little money as possible. There's a reason why they have the biggest buildings in the largest cities. Don't let big insurance bully you. Visit BigSkyDefender.com today to see how I can help you get fair compensation for your injuries. The consultation's free and the fight's real. Well, we love new friends here at the Big Sky Breakdown, and we have a new presenting sponsor, spearheading our new expansion, Vandals Weekly, but also as a part of the Big Sky Breakdown as a whole, Old Works Golf Course in Anaconda. It's an iconic place, a Jack Nicholas course. If you've never been there, you've never seen it, you got to look up pictures and you got to go check it out. The sand traps, which are prevalent and very challenging, they are all over the place, and they're filled with black sand. It is an unbelievable visual spectacle to see. And that, plus the elements and the way that it's carved into the mountainside there, it makes it an incredibly challenging course. For all you Bobcat and Grizzly people, if you're in Missoula, in Bozeman, in western Montana, in southwestern Montana, it's a perfect center point right in the middle of everything. And the Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey is now open all winter long. Expert swing and mental coaching for you all off-season. They also have custom club fitting, multiple state-of-the-art trackman simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works to schedule your winter session, 406 5 5989 that's 406-563-5989 